What up, y'all? Welcome back to the DMVR Draft Podcast. I'm Justin Michael. I'm joined by Jake Schwanitz and the man, the myth, the legend, Andre Simone. On his birthday, even, this guy, he keeps grinding. He does not stop, (laughs) not even for his birthday. That's because he's a man of the people. And that's because, like you, he is a draft nerd and we have more to talk about. We're getting into the NFC North today. We're going to talk about when you go all in on a quarterback. We're going to talk about the tight end value and, you know, whether some of these sub packages, uh, counters are ever going to work. We're going to get into some wonky draft classes for a couple of these teams. This was one of the weirder outcomes, I would say, on on draft weekend. Mm. But uh, first things first, boys, how we doing? One night after the Nuggets win, everybody everybody doing okay, well-rested, drink a little too much. How's, how's everybody feeling? I didn't drink at all, and yet I still woke up hungover with, or like That's how de- I felt. Like, dehydrated I so with a headache. <laughs> it's like, how did this happen? But I am 36. Thank you for the birthday wishes. So I guess it all checks out. You know, it, it only gets tougher from here, boys. So uh, enjoy it while it lasts. One down, three to go, man. It was a hop in time at the DMVR bar last night. Insane. A lot of fun. I would say if you want to uh, have a good spot at the DMVR bar, get there as close to opening as possible because it will be it will be stacked and packed long before tip off. Um, If you don't want to be standing in a corner somewhere, get there early. People lining up outside the bar like when our buff show ended at like one o'clock. It was insane. I mean, that's the thing. I've had people reach out to me on Twitter and. I feel like when I say that, they think I'm being like I'm exaggerating or like really I need to get there four hours before the game. And I'm like, at least. Yeah. Good <laughs> advice. I know. Especially if you want to, you know, like if you want an actual so crowded. Like, quality spot. Yeah. Yeah. Then it gets so crowded. Like you you might want to like place your get early, get there early, load up on food, like get your drink orders in early, get yeah, your bucket ready. The That's the way to do it. Get your bucket ready for the game. Like, just get set up, you know, because, yeah, it gets uh, it gets insane, man. Denver is very ready for this Nuggets title run. Very ready. It's it's really cool. 50 years in the making, man. It's it's awesome. But we'll uh, we'll obviously be talking about the Nuggets plenty throughout basically all of our content across the network. I've done parallels with the Nuggets and CSU. I mean, it's it's what it's all about. But. Right now, we're going to get into the draft. Um, I got to rain, rain it in. Otherwise, we're just going to go on and on. Um, let's yeah. talk about Detroit, though, because this was this is a weird draft. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know how else to phrase it other than they shocked the world when they selected Jameer Gibbs at 12. Um, I love Jameer Gibbs. Nobody loves Jameer Gibbs more than me. That's true. But man, that is a... That that was an interesting decision. Um, I just, I can't defend it. As much as I love the guy, the positional value, like you could have traded back 10, 15 spots probably and still yeah. landed him. It just didn't make a whole lot of sense. Um, go ahead, Dre, like flame Detroit away. <laughs> well, I mean, a weird one altogether and they've gone on the record and said they would have taken him even at the sixth pick, which is really where all of this starts is they're lined up at the sixth pick and they trade down with the cards who'd already traded down um, from third overall. 
and get a significantly lesser package than what the cards had just uh, gotten in return from the Texans to move up to third. And they've said they would have taken Gibbs sixth overall, which implies ahead of Bijan, which I could see. And I mean, it would have was... been fun for me to go back because I said he was running back one last July. Oh, that would have been huge for you. And I mean, we did say like, look, not all running backs are created equal. And these two guys are like head and shoulders above the rest because of what they bring in the passing game as well. It's just an odd one for Detroit because, I mean, yeah, the impact that he brings in the passing game is going to be important. Um, and him being that kind of Alvin Kamara, right, is the obvious um, comp. That kind of impact would be tremendous. It still feels like a luxury pick that this Lions team isn't necessarily at that point to afford, um, especially with where they could have added in the trenches felt like a really missed opportunity. And um, then you compound it with the 18th pick and Jack Campbell, which I really think Gibbs, I can justify and kind of talk myself into Jack Campbell's the really bad one. And then you add to the list, devaluing Deandre Smith and trading him away for, uh, you know, nickel on the dollar, basically um, just mere days later didn't feel like they really thought this through at all. And um, to end my long, long soliloquy, you know, a year ago, we're all feeling good about the lines. They draft Jamison Williams, the wide receiver we're all in on from Bama. He has some injuries, obviously, coming off the ACL, and now has been suspended for some betting stuff. They have DeAndre Swift, who we feel good about. He's gone. Dad Hawkinson, he's gone, and you replace him with Sam Laporte. It just feels like... The skill positions, you had this opportunity to really add some talent, and you've kind of downgraded that whole group from where we felt they were at a year ago. You look at this draft, and I think Ben Solak had this tweet where if you just rearrange some of these picks, it actually kind of looks okay. Like, say they took Brian Branch at that 12th overall pick where he was maybe a bit high for his range, but we thought this guy was a mid to late first rounder. He ends up going 45th overall to then. Um, And then you take, if, Say you take Jameer Gibbs at the 18th overall pick, that's fine, right? Move Jack Campbell down, you move Sam Laporta down, it all looks okay. Um, so just a little out of whack. And yeah, the DeAndre Swift thing was really weird. I mean, all the Lions beat reporters just have glowing remarks about how Jameer Gibbs has been playing so far, um, just in OTAs and stuff. But man, I thought DeAndre Swift was really on track for having a nice season last year after he kind of got bung- banged up. Um, they gave him away. They got a fourth round pick and a seventh round pick. Uh, they gave Swift to Philly and a seventh round pick. I mean, it was really nickels on the dollar, like you said, Dre. Yeah. So uh, kind of a weird reshuffling there. I mean, Hendon Hooker at 68th overall, I'm not upset about. If that guy went in the first round to them, I mean, that's where we really, really have issues. But it's... um. It's weird. You replace another Iowa tight end with another in Sam Laporta, a guy who wow. I was a huge fan of. But, um, I mean, we'll see how this works, I guess. I mean, they don't really have a quarterback. You still have Jared Goff for a few more years. So, I think just in the, the scope of this season, it looks okay, actually. It's just how far down the line can Gibbs become a top five back like that? Can Jack Campbell become yeah. uh, an impact player? I mean, I like Drew Sanders more. I don't know about you guys. I thought Drew Sanders was a better prospect than him. So it's just really odd, but I can, like you said, Justin, I can see how this works also. 
It feels like Kevin Costner in draft day where they just went in and he had Jameer Gibbs, no matter what, on a piece of paper. Yep. And we're going to figure it out from there. Like it, that he was the guy they wanted. They based their entire draft around it. Um, I'm right there with you, Campbell. I just I just don't see him being a three down linebacker in the NFL. I have a hard time seeing him be rangy enough. Um, yeah, I I do love Brian Branch. I think he's the best safety, and to get him at 45, the value is great there. So that kind of yeah. offsets a little bit if we're looking at it from a grade perspective. I wouldn't say they failed this draft or anything like that. Um, Hendon Hooker at 68, great as well. They also signed Adrian Martinez and a couple of other running backs. Greg Bell, former Nebraska, San Diego State starter. They brought in Mo Ibrahim out of Minnesota. Yeah. So maybe they're just going to kind of really lean in on that grounded pound game, go old school under Dan Campbell. I mean, yeah, it does feel a bit, a bit Dan Campbell, like going to his roots and being like, I just want to move tight end and uh, like factor back that I can move around and flex in the slot. And they were like, okay, cool. Sam Laporta, Jameer Gibbs. Um, so you're right. Like you look at this, there is five top hundred guys with five top hundred picks. I guess actually shoot six top hundred picks. That's the thing. You had multiple firsts, multiple seconds, multiple thirds, man. Um, so yeah, it's nice. It's it's gonna be nice with that many picks. Like you really you really would have to screw some things up to not bring home like a significant number of um, future starters. But it's about maximization, right? That's the argument against them. It's not that you didn't get a couple of guys we like. It's that you didn't necessarily get the haul you should have with the capital that you had going. Precisely. And then let's, let's just look at like premium positions. Uh, round one, running back, interior linebacker. Round two, tight end, safety. Not great, Bob. Not great. Um, so yeah, I think it's like a C. Like at best, you did what you needed to do. It's really more like a D plus ish. Um, I'd C minus, so I'm right there with you. And it sucks, man. It sucks because I, I love this Lions team. I really think they're in a good spot here, but this feels like a smidge of a setback. Jake, what's your grade? Yeah. I'm I'm pro I have to go C plus. I, I get all the you know the positional value type of stuff. Um, but I like the players, man. I, I love Laporta. I mean, this guy I thought was really a nice riser just throughout the process. I love the attention he was getting late. It felt like he may have gone higher. Mm -hmm. Um, but you get him 34th overall, that's still pretty high. And then I mean, Jack Campbell, we have our doubts. How impactful can he be? You know, is he gonna be uh, a linebacker worth taking at 18th overall three years from now. But I look at this depth chart just top to bottom, offense and defense. It's actually a solid team, man. Like, I can't be mad at this um, too much, especially for this next year. I think they're going to be tough again. They're, this offense is going to be multiple because of these picks with Laporta and Gibbs. Um, your best receiver is a slot guy already that you can move around the field and I'm on Raw St. Brown. I like the offensive line. Uh, you got some pass rushers. You got uh, CJ Gardner Johnson in free agency at the safety yeah. as well. I mean, yeah. I like this team. Off of that, how do you feel about Jared Goff moving forward? Do you feel content? I, I still, I, Jared Goff gets shit on too much. I still think. I mean, he's not going to be a top ten, top five quarterback probably ever again. But he's a solid player, and he can really put the points on the board when it's moving. 
Well, I think that's what's going to be interesting with this division as a whole is what do you decide with the quarterback, whether you're Detroit, you know, do you commit to Goff long-term? Obviously, they bring in Hendon Hooker, but he's an older quarterback coming off of the injury. Goff has been really good. I mean, he's he's been good since he came to Detroit. Mm-hmm. And you have Kirk Cousins in Minnesota on the last year of his deal. It, it's really interesting long-term. Like, it, I could realistically see both of those teams commit to those guys for the next, you know, three, four years and just being like, let's see if we can yeah. build around them. I could also see both of them being like, ah, we could do better. And that's like kind of the story of the the life when you have a Jared Goff or when you have a Kirk Cousins is it always feels like the grass is greener, but I would argue, especially after watching the Broncos the last six, it rarely is. Yeah. Um, those are the kind of teams which justify you paying Daniel Jones a lot of money because it's like put Daniel Jones on the lines and all of a sudden they're frisky. Um, Goff's a good placeholder, you know, and in a dome with a, a line you've invested in pretty solidly in that scheme, you're actually protecting him pretty nicely. Um, everything you said, Jake, is right. It does feel to me, though, the big, big, big glaring albatross is that premier pass rusher opposite Aiden Hutchinson. And like, man, at 18, especially Miles Murphy would have been around still. Um, you know, obviously at six overall, Tyree Wilson would have been around still. Just it's an interesting one. It's an interesting. One. I'm not, I'm also not the biggest Taylor Decker guy and feel like maybe one of those offensive tackles would have been a nice solution for him. Um, but I hear everything you're saying. And honestly, free agency, not that bad. They added a, a nice of uh, lots of intriguing corners. Um, you know, we all like Gardner Johnson and David Montgomery, which, yeah. you know, kind of clouds that Gibbs pick because you invested more money in yet another running back. But like, I, he's solid, man. You, you're replacing Jamal Williams with a solid back, maybe a better back, honestly. I mean, I have Jenga to mention, is it Hutchinson uh, or is it Amonra? Uh, real quick, though, I just have to mention James Houston, uh, the other uh, pass rusher from Jackson State, actually. And this guy had um, eight sacks last year as a rookie. So he, he's listed at Sam linebacker. He's maybe not a pure edge listed at 6'1", 225, a little light, but um, you got some well, production there. Yeah. Uh, outside, I, I, go ahead, Dre. Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say they have Julian Okawara, who they drafted a couple years back out of Mm -hmm. Notre Dame as as well, backing up Houston. So, yeah, you're right. They do have some guys in that Sam role. Uh, I think Aiden Hutchinson's a Jenga piece, so. Him and Penny Sewell feel like the two, like, true blue chippers on this team, right? Um, And yet it might be Amonra St. Brown for me. I think for Goff, for this offense to tick, the offense is really what stirs the drink for this team. I'm going to go Amonra, who going very high in some of these. Uh, I'm in a startup Devi draft right now. Amonra getting some love, going quite high, quite high. Yeah. Anything else you guys want to hit as far as team building philosophies? I mean, we've kind of talked about all of these generally. I just didn't mm-hmm. necessarily phrase it that way. I mean, it does feel like they're at a point where they're just trying to add blue chippers and you're trying to figure out the quarterback. Adding blue chippers, I think they maybe fell a little short. Figuring out the quarterback, adding hooker. I mean, in this draft, 
with where they were drafting, you weren't going to have many better options than adding Hendon Hooker to back up Jared Goff. Stylistically, should be very similar, be able to learn from each other. And Hooker in a dome, holy shit! Put that kid in a dome, like yeah. you're in trouble, man. You you might be in trouble. Let him get healthy for a year. You've got the perfect stopgap guy in Goff. Might be cooking with. So I like what they're doing with addressing that quarterback position for the future. The one premium spot they did address in the top 100 could pay dividends for sure. Risky at all to build a flashy offense in the NFC North when you still got to go to Lambeau and Chicago. Like, could very realistically be a team that scores 35 at home and then just looks absolutely terrible on the road. For sure, but you just got to go there once a year. I mean, you know, Lambo once, Chicago, the Soldier Field once, Minnesota's in a dome, you know. The old black and blue, kind of soft. Kind of just soft, you know. I mean, this the... team was fifth in points for last year, 26.6 points a game. I mean, it's not bad at all. And I, I can't tell you how many times I came away just impressed watching them Dude, last year. So much. Was it that week one game? Uh, yeah, the Philly game. They were down like by 35 or something crazy, and they came back and nearly won that game in the end. I mean, this team, you add more weapons to them too. You do lose Jamison, but you never really had him last year. So. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Stop betting on football, football players, or be better Please. at lying. <laughs> one of the two. Um, <laughs> Take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product. It's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all either. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair is going to be backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even day one, they're going to send you a new one. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back. Long after you purchase, if you're like me, you got a crazy dog, that is big time. I'm going to absolutely have to replace them at some point. I, I can pretty much guarantee it. We've actually got some new Shady Rays coming our way over at DMVR. Yeah. So you'll be seeing lots of photos uh, with us flexing, you know, looking cool on our shades. You can shop the entire collection at the brand new location of Park Meadows, the Park Meadows Mall, excuse me. It's a full-stop shop for all things Shady Rays. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop. They always have your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays has given out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. I'm a bit down right now, guys. I think I lost my original Shady Rays pair, and it's uh, not oh, been no. great. Oh, I'm struggling. Oh. Um, but you, you are going to need your They're going to send you a new one. Just literally email them. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I could take advantage of that. Um, but you're going to need your Shady Rays to walk into Ball Arena for this finals run. Let's and, uh, go. Use game time to get in, man. Uh, best place for last-minute ticket prices drops. Um, they're out of control, these prices. But we were looking yesterday, even for game one. An hour before the game, they went down by like 100-some bucks. Um, so make sure you take advantage of that. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Um, not only Nuggets games. I mean, Rocky season is going on. Uh, there's a lot. Concert season. Uh, game time's got you covered. Download the Game Time app. Create an account. Use code DMVR for $20 off your first purchase. 
Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem code DMVR for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. Let's go to Green Bay, who drafted 13 players. So uh, there's a lot to get into. They got two of the top five tight ends in this class. I love both of these guys, Luke Musgrave and Tucker Craft out of South Dakota State. Um, They got a slot receiver in green, the kid out of Cincinnati. I like this draft. It was interesting. I would make the argument that Kraft and Musgrave kind of doubling up on the same stylistically as as far as those tight ends go. But I kind of like what they're doing in Green Bay. And I think it's going to give a young quarterback a lot of options in the middle of the field, which is always great. Um, But I, I will say, having watched Jordan Love quite a bit at Utah State, never once did I think like this guy's going to be the future of the NFL or anything like that. So a lot of pressure on Jordan Love post Aaron Rodgers. Where are you at with this draft class? Where are you at with the direct team? Uh, Jake, you're up first. Man, I, I mean, you got a lot of players here. Um, yeah. I don't think I'm a big fan of this draft class. So uh, Lucas Van Ness, I think, is a nice piece. I mean, we'll see exactly how he projects as a pro. Um, Luke Musgrave, kind of the same thing. I mean, this is a, a big, long tight end, but uh, I, I don't even think big is the right word. He's a long tight end. Um, he's more of like a big slot kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So we'll see exactly where he fits in. Um, Tucker Craft is a nice pick. I think Jaden Reed has also been doing stuff too. He's been a real yeah. like, Twitter darling for them recently. And then uh, you get the big guy, Carl Brooks, in the sixth round too. Those Ooh. are the picks that really stood out to me. Uh, Sean Clifford got drafted by this team also, which is kind of crazy. Insane. I'm at like a C minus man. Um, I, this team, I don't really know, understand the, uh, the identity we're going for honestly. the philosophy, the team building philosophy. Yeah. Where is it? Huh? Yes, exactly. That's why that's one of our main questions. I mean, you're right. When I look at it, it's two guys, two top hundred guys. On my board, Musgrave and Van Ness. I guess Kraft. I'm sorry, three. Um, Jaden Reed had a lot more hype last season. Like when the Trojans were really good, it was he was just you know busting them long and making that a vertical offense. And K9 was obviously huge for that Michigan State back uh, field before they really regressed as a whole this past season. So he's very intriguing, as is Dontavian Wicks. I love the Carl Brooks pick out of Bowling Green. Big 300-pound edge who got a senior bowl invite. <laughs> kind of underwhelmed. Um, Van Ness feels like a lot of the same. They just keep really doubling down on just like kind of raw, toolsy, big front seven guys in the early rounds. Um, and I, you know, I don't know. Like at 13, I think that's where Van Ness's value Starts maybe not being obnoxious, but is still a pretty big reach. And like Colby Wooden, that those these bigger defensive tackles in this class didn't really inspire me. Um Andres Carlson, though, Colorado kid, right, Justin? So we've got that. Yeah, Andres Carlson, kicker at a Auburn. Um can't remember what school. It was one of those academies in the springs, but yeah, Colorado Pride. And uh, Central Michigan running back Lou Nichols III is a guy I like a little bit too. Just watching him on some of those weekday Mac games, keeping up with Jim McElwain out there at CMU. He's he's runs hard. I don't think he's an NFL back, but he might be a depth piece. 
Mm -hmm. C minus for you as Um, well. I think I got to go. Yeah, I was going to say D plus. I'll go C minus just because I'm a little higher on Musgrave. I think I actually think his length is more of a sell. I don't know if he's necessarily a traditional tight end, but I think he's a a guy that is going to thrive in space. I think in the red zone, he's going to give him a threat. And I think that the Packers kind of need that because when you look at what they have at receiver outside of Romeo dubs, it's just, it's not like a ton of talent out wide. They're really going to have to lean on Aaron Jones in the past game. I think the tight ends, a lot of two tight end Mm -hmm. sets and then hope that, you know, dubs can kind of make a leap. And he's a guy who I like a lot, obviously coming out of Nevada stretches the field, big time playmaker, but it's a lot different when you're going against the team's number one corner, every snap. Yeah, Christian Watson came on at the end of the year. They also drafted uh, Grant DeBose, who is kind of a draft darling, small school guy out of Charlotte, goes undrafted. Um, He's a really nice value as an undrafted, though. Another guy. He kind of fits that Romeo Dubs mold, honestly. Just like a physical kind of dog, ultra competitive, got some deceptive wiggle to him as well. They have good athletes. Don't sleep on Christian Watson's breakout, man. I mean, I love this guy coming out last year. Uh, just needed to really kind of put it all together. And you saw yeah. those struggles early last year with the drops and stuff. Um, but he was starting to figure it out. Uh, with this draft, though, I mean, how many starters do you get from this, man? I mean, you hope one of these tight ends come out of here. Maybe Jaden Reed starts in, you know, uh, three wide receiver sets. Yeah, but Lucas Van Ness, your first pick. I mean, uh, Preston Smith and John Gary are still some nice players on the edge. I feel like. Um, I mean, no doubt. you can't really ding them for too much. You did really draft best player available there, and that's what we stress in the first round: is don't draft for need, draft best player available. Yeah, um, whether he was the best one there, I mean, we can have debate a debate about that. But yeah. um, it's just yeah. uh, it's just overall underwhelming. Exactly, and I mean, look the the team building philosophy isn't there there is a schematic building philosophy where it's like we're going to help jordan love as much as we can we're really leaning into two tight end multiple back right because we still have um that depth there uh we're leaning into our coaches offensive philosophies letting lafleur really like sean mcveigh it up as much as he can and on that front seven, we're going to stay deep. We're going to stay big. We're going to stay talented. We're going to make it so that those battles in the trenches were kind of starting at an advantage anytime you line up with us. And hopefully that's enough. It feels like a really important moment for the Packers franchise right now. You know, um, and these are some fun additions that might help you lean into some of these schematic things you're trying to do. I don't know that it'll make or break it one way or another, but it allows you to go that direction. Um, They're in this situation because of their own doing. Yeah. But they also kind of are in a weird spot, I guess, just defending them in terms of like what you're trying to do moving forward because you've been basically stuck in this weird holding pattern with Aaron Rodgers for three years where it's like one foot in, one foot out. And again, that comes back to you drafting Jordan Love in the first round. This is your own doing. Yes. But after these last couple of years, it was clearly a situation that they needed to move forward from. You couldn't continue to let him, you know, hijack you and and have it be all about him. That's just, it's not going to work in the locker room. And you kind of have to see 
like, is Jordan Love the guy? Because we've already invested, what is it, four years in him already? Three years in him? So, like, yeah, drafted in 2020. It's, it's kind of now or never. Otherwise, you just wasted, you know, the, the five years and the benefit of taking quarterback in the first round. So they're just, they kind of have to like shoehorn this process into making it work You're this right. year and like see what they have with Jordan Love. And, and I think it makes a lot of sense trying to get him some of those options in the middle of the field, having multiple backs to lean on. Right. But again, it's just, it's a tough spot and it's a lot of pressure on this whole Jordan Love thing to pan out. Yeah. Otherwise, you basically wasted a first round pick, pushed a, fir- a Hall of Famer out the door, and kind of like wasted a couple of years, basically. It's a great point. This draft reeks of, well, we kind of got to go all in on Jordan Love so we can figure out and have a concrete decision in or out by next offseason so we can really move forward and figure out a true long vision, a true long term plan. Um, yeah, so it does. It feels like a bit of like stuck in limbo type of draft class in many ways. And what makes it even weirder too, I think, with all of these teams, is when you look at everyone else. It's kind of like, well, should we move on? Because are we really sure these teams are going to be that good? Like, if you're a team like, you know, Minnesota, and you walked away from Kirk Cousins, like you might be walking away from the best quarterback in the division right now. Or same goes like with Detroit and Goff, or I mean, even even Green Bay. It's like we need to finally rebuild, but it's like really is now the time when all these other teams are also in disarray. We've got a guaranteed spot in the playoffs. NFC's wide open right now, wide completely. Open. Yeah. Uh, quickly, just to we can go to Jenga piece right after this, but to build off of that, Justin, I mean, this is a guy who's only played in ten career games. And when this model works out, when you hit on the rookie quarterback by year four, you're not figuring out the construction of your team. You're trying to win titles at this point, man. And they are not on that track at this point. I don't think anyone sees this team as a title contender, let alone division contender. So it's a big experiment this year. My favorite Jordan love anecdote, and this will be quick at Mountain West media days, his senior year, he's the, the, Bell of the ball, you know, everybody's there. They're hyping him up. Manny Jones, who's now on the Steelers defensive end, was with the Cardinals for a couple years, sitting there with his arms crossed, absolutely sick of getting asked about Jordan Love and how great he is, turns to the CSU coach and goes, they know our quarterbacks better, right? Talking about Colin Hill, unfortunately tore his ACL three times and never got to a live up to his full potential, but that's uh, one of my hot takes that I will always die on. I'm right there with Manny, a healthy Colin Hill, better than Jordan Love. The Jenga piece for Green Bay is who? I say Jari Alexander. I would throw David Bakhtiari's name out there, but this guy's played in 24 games the last three years out of a probable 49. You've already gotten used to kind of playing without him and Honestly, how good is he at this point? He's been in the league. This is going to be his 10th season now. Yeah. Uh, the injuries have been mounting up. I mean, you could throw Aaron Jones in there. I'd listen to that argument for sure. Um, but I think it's Jari Alexander. Dre? It is very hard to um, argue against Jair Alexander. I think Kenny Clark would be in that mix as well. <laughs> Just a really important part of that defense. But... um. No, I, I agree with Jake on this one. Jair is uh is the play. 
I think you guys are right, but just for the sake of having some some disagreement, I'm going to go with Aaron Jones just because of the position you're in with your quarterback. Yeah. And the unknowns that you have at wide receiver and tight end. Like, you know that Romeo Dubs is a good receiver. You know, he can be productive. You don't necessarily know that he's going to be able to make up for, you know, Devontae Adams and some of the guys they've lost these last couple of years. For sure. All right. We're going to move on. We're going to wrap up with the final two teams here. But got to shout out the homies over at Breckenridge Brewery. Right now, it's the NBA Finals. Nothing better than kicking it back with an ice-cold Breck brew in hand. Personally, I'm a, I'm a big Avalanche Amber Ale guy. I also love the Shandies that they released this summer. Super crisp. Not quite as sweet as some of the other lemon Shandies on the market, but I say that um, as a compliment. It makes them much more crushable, less headache afterwards, like we were talking about at the beginning. We're getting older you got to watch what you drink with that kind of stuff. You get all the sweet stuff, you're going to have a you're going to have a rough time. All their beers are made with 100% renewable energy. You've got to love that and you've just got to love the endless variety that they offer. Check out the Breck Beer locator at breckbrew.com. Find a Breck Brew near you. The massive shout out to Fubo TV, over 140 plus live channels, sports shows, movies, news, they have it all. You can stream stream live TV from any device, and you can start watching immediately with a seven-day free trial. No contract, no cable, no hassle. Just sign up and start watching. You also get a 1,000 hours of cloud DVR included at no extra charge. Um, The finals are on ABC. We got F1 kind of picking up with this European slate coming through. UFC's got a huge summer slate as well. Make sure you catch it all on Fubo TV. Go to www.fubotv.com slash DMVR. And you can sign up for 15% off your first month of Fubo Pro. Shout out to Fubo TV. Shout out Fubo. Boom. Not shout out F1, though. I think it's boring. No offense, those of you that are into it. Yeah. I like the Netflix like show, but I have a, I've tried to watch the races multiple times, including the, the Monaco one. And I was like, this is terrible. I'd rather watch golf, um, which is way more exciting. <laughs> for the record, golf rules. Uh, Come on. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about the bears chicago baby uh they land darnell Wright after trading back pass on jalen carter kind of an interesting decision with the needs that they have at defensive line also though they at some point do have to protect the quarterback which is something they have not done now for multiple seasons I loved Roshan Johnson in the fourth round. Um, One of the running backs that we think can really pop in the NFL. And I think he's actually a better fit than they've had uh, these last couple of years. So I think that's a great pick. Last thing I'll say, uh, Noah Sewell feels like he would have been a great bear of the early 2000s. I don't think he's a three down backer in the modern NFL, but he's a fun athletic guy that kind of goes downhill with the head of steam should be impactful against the run. Yeah. I give it a B minus. I think they did fine. I don't know if they maximized what they could do, but landing an offensive tackle is, is it's good. They needed to at some point. Where are you at with the bears? Man. At face value, it looks half decent. It just feels like so much is going to come down to DJ Moore. because if I think, boy, this is the class you came away with, with the first overall pick, it's pretty underwhelming. Um, Especially when you could have stayed at nine, got Jalen Carter. Don't think that's what this um, 
organization needs. Don't think that would have been what's best for Jalen, honestly, who I think landed in the exact perfect spot in Philly. Just think it would have been too much pressure and like the Bears going after a defensive tackle just wasn't the play. It was time to go all in on offense. I can appreciate that they really go all in on protecting the quarterback. You know, targets like DJ Moore, adding a back like Roshan Johnson and trying to go that way. It's a little too meat and potatoes with three of the four first picks being in the trenches and what have you. And I don't know that you ultimately came away with a, I mean, like for my board, with all these picks, you still don't come away with one set and forget first round grade, which is a bit of a bummer. Um, but ultimately, there's a lot of high upside. There's a lot of guys that we like. Um, and I think you have a lot of rotational players and at least, you know, like three to four ish top hundred guys, which are future, future starters. So yeah, it's it's right there in that B range, B minus probably. Where are you at it's on the Miami stand. corner? Tyreek Stevenson, both of you, Dre, and then Jake, and then go into to Jake. Your... You started off. You're the one who's higher on him. You loved him ever since the Senior Bowl. Yeah, I thought he had a fantastic Senior Bowl. He's got good length, good size. Um, I thought he covered really well. Had nice feet. Listed at six foot one ninety eight. Um, did well in some of the agility drills. Had some nice jumps too. I mean, he's a bit risky. He's going to take some risks. He's a little grabby, but um, you take a player like this, I think, that you can kind of work with and hopefully work out some of those kinks. I forget where I heard the expression 90-10 player, but Tyreek Stevenson feels like a 90-10 player. A 90-10 player is a guy who does 90% of the play right. And it's the final 10 that leaves you wanting a little more. He's He's got to figure out that final 10% because the first 90, like the feet, the, you know, his fluidity, uh, his ability to read stuff and just stick with guys. He's sticky. He's competitive. It's everything you like. He needs to be a little better when he's in the right position at then making sure that turns into an incomplete pass or a deflected, you know, a PDU or uh, an actual interception, you know. Um, but yeah, it's like Dre Bly back in the day, right. always in position to make a play, make a tackle, never actually did it though. Yeah, it's <laughs> rough, man. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with them. Where are you with the rest of their class, Jake? It's a mixed bag for me. I do like some of these players quite a bit. Um, I just don't feel like you got enough value out of that number one overall pick. Um, in such a you know, these drafts are kind of becoming a little bit more and few and far between where you have these like consensus, like top quarterbacks who are like, yeah, he's the number one overall pick. Mm -hmm. um, so you have this pick in a premium year where this, the pick is almost worth more because of the player that's available overall. And you did get a first and a second this year. Um, you did get a first and a second next year, as well as DJ Moore. I just feel like I like the Panthers side of this more. You get a, a better quarterback, I think, in Bryce Young than Justin Fields is so far. Yeah, you give away DJ Moore, but how is he really that guy? Are we sure about that? Like, he's like fringe top 15 for me, man. Right, like, right. He's a good player. He makes a lot of plays. But even then, look at this receiving core outside of him. It's Chase Claypool, who was a flash in the pan, what, three years ago at this point now? Mm -hmm. Darnell Mooney, who was expected to have a big season last year, was okay. 
Um, yeah. And then your pick from last year that was just a pure head scratcher in Velas Jones. So I'm not a big fan of the receiving course. So you get your tackle in Darnell Wright. That's fine. Um, you do have some nice pieces from the last few years that you got in the draft in Braxton Jones and Tevin Jenkins. So I think the line is okay. But then after that, um, I mean, I love Stevenson. I like Roshan Johnson. I like Noah Sewell. He's more just like kind of moving forward, though. Uh, not really a coverage linebacker, as Justin said. B minus. Um, yeah. I just think you could have got more out of that number one overall pick. Find another team, man. Someone would have paid more. You're right. You're kind of hitching your wagon to Fields and DJ Moore. And it's like, is either really that that dude at their position to really like what's that flip the scales no i'm i'm not thinking of tip the scales um you know and i'm i think it's legit to feel just a smidge underwhelmed just like both fall just an inch short of really being that type of talent at quarterback or wide receiver great point to me it's kind of like when the jets paid eric decker he's a good receiver Yes. He's not a difference maker for your offense, though. Not, I mean, he's a different, you know what I mean? Like, he's not going to completely transform that group all of a sudden. Look at Justin Fields. He came alive. 100-plus, you know? Yeah. I don't know. It just it feels like a, a stretch. And there's quite a bit of, of Chicago love. If you look on the book, I took... You can take under seven and a half wins and get that at plus money right now for Chicago. I Just saying. I have a hard time seeing that team be good. Uh, and I have a question about the head coach. How good is Matt Eberfluss as a head coach? He had some moments last year. Where I was like, man, I just don't know yeah. about this guy. So you need to figure that out as well as figuring out your team building philosophy. And if you have a franchise quarterback, there's just so many questions here. I'm super well, that, duper out on Eberfluss. Me too. That's why I'm bringing it up. Like they're, they're not going to be good. Yeah. Um, I mean, the the team building philosophy is obviously going in on offense this year, trying to give Justin Fields an opportunity and hopefully, you know, have it be less dependent on him breaking a 75 yard run because that's basically the only way they move the ball. Right. And just in a weird spot. Three of their top four picks, all defense, you know, dude, I. I can't sing the praises of Ryan Pace or is it Ryan P- or uh, Poles, right? Is the GM like last year? I had no idea what this draft was doing, trying to build around Justin Field. I mean, they're, they're top three picks, I think, were secondary players. Yeah. You get a tackle, then you go DT cornerback, DT running back. I It's tough. Don't when you it. got a new GM too. So, how much, you know, how much longer is the, the leash going to be with? With Justin, or I mean, I, I mean, obviously the Big Ten roots. Maybe he like comes in like very firmly believing in Fields, but it's just it's a very weird situation with the Bears. Um, again, I'm just going to keep saying it. I don't think they're going to be a good team. Who's the Jenga piece though? Packers have that going on as well. GM oh, uncertainty. Um, the Jenga piece. I mean, who are the true, like, blue chippers on this squad that it's like? I mean, it's probably DJ Moore. Like, that's how it, all it has to be done. after what they committed to him. But, like, again, coming back to the point, if he's the Jenga, what's this team's ceiling outside of maybe being okay and just hoping that the rest of the division also sucks? 
I'd throw out Cody Whitehair, who's been a decent center for quite a while now. I'll throw out Tremaine Edmonds, but then again, this is a free agent coming in. I mean, yeah. Yep. If, if we're hitching our wagons to centers and incoming, you know, free agents and trades, then there's just so many questions. Uh, I guess I'd your, pick DJ more then. To answer your question, I think the ceiling is about nine wins. It's about a nine, like the max, max this team can be is nine and eight. Right? Yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I don't know why I, you can get that much value on the under. That's what I, I've been it's crazy. I, for three days, I've been trying to talk myself into what did I miss here, but I don't know. Well, you guys kind of already mentioned it. It's a weak NFC. It's been a weak NFC. Uh, really this weak. division in particular is not really great. I mean, I think Minnesota is probably the best team, but um, even last year, people were constantly calling them frauds for their record, even though they were just ripping off wins. Good point. What a transition he gave you. It was perfect. So let's talk about those Vikes. Let's talk about how legit they are. And let's talk about the direction. Kirk Cousins, um, what do you do moving forward? They did draft Jaron Hall, the BYU quarterback in the fifth round. This draft as a whole, not super exciting. Only um, six picks. They do land Jordan Addison, the former Blitnikoff winner at Pitt, who transferred to USC. Like him a lot. is it going to translate at the next level? I think so. It feels kind of like uh, Devonta coming out of Bama a couple of years ago for me. I'm just this guy just does everything right. Not quite as athletic, but I I don't know, man. I gave the draft like a C minus D plus. I just didn't think it was very exciting. I didn't think it made them much better. But I also think they're probably in the best position out of all these teams in the division and didn't need the draft quite as much. Uh, where are you at? Addison in the offseason where they lose Thielen kind of comes in to replace him. I think it's that's a good like, point. I, for, I, I forgot about Thielen leaving. I like the offensive skill positions. I like Addison. I think Dwayne McBride out of UAB at, in the seventh round is great value. And Jaron Hall, um, Jake can tell you a little bit about Jaron Hall. Um, these defenders, though, I've never been a Mikai Blackman guy. Um, and Jay Ward, the safety out of LSU, Jacqueline Roy, uh, defensive tackle out of LSU, not a character out of succession, neither really hit in the spot. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think it's a decent class. It's all right. Um, I'd probably go B minus. Uh, I think Addison's plug and play. Uh, and yeah. actually, frankly, an upgrade really over Thielen. He's kind of been on a downward trend. Yep. Um, Whereas with Addison, he got hurt last year and stuff, wasn't really at his best, um, but no doubt one of the best receivers in the nation. I do like Mikai Blackman. Um, another guy who's going to be, he's going to get called. He's going to get some holdings. He's going to, you know, kill some, he's going to be a killer on some third downs and stuff like that, where he allows the uh, drives to continue. Um, but I like the tools, uh, I like his frame. Jaron Hall is fun. He's like another, he's, I mean, Zach Wilson was kind of that swaggy quarterback at BYU. And I think Jaron Hall has some of that. The, yeah. the top end traits that we saw out of um, Zach Wilson, you know, the arm strength and just doing crazy off platform stuff, not quite there, but a solid player. And then Dwayne McBride, man, I, this could be a nice steal, I think, especially with yes. Dalvin Cook's uh, situation. I don't even really know. It must be the contract situation why they're trying to move him. Um, so if you go in with Madison and Dwayne McBride, 
it's definitely one of the weaker running back rooms, but I'm not like totally upset with it. Nine fumbles on 525 career carries. That's a little yep. concerning. All right, yep. I'm out then. I'm out. <laughs> That's the one big blemish in, in the scouting report form for sure, you know. Um, you're right. It's all going to come down to Addison, really. At least they waited for the DB till the late third. So bless you guys. No second rounder does <laughs> change the kind of value. Um, but yeah, like Addison pops and it's already been one of the better offenses in the NFL for several years. And anytime I watch the Vikings, even before their really nice season last year, it was like, it's just like one stud skill player after another. And it's like, man, this team should be better than they are. And then last year they actually were, if Addison's plug and play, I'll give him a C you did what you needed to do, but that'll prove at the 24th overall pick to be a more valuable selection than where they were able to get him. If he doesn't pop, it's going to be pretty underwhelming and you're not going to get much out of this. Yeah. Off of that, where are you guys at just in terms of the direction of this franchise? It's the last year of the Kirk Cousins deal, which I mean, at this point, it's kind of a steal with how the, with how some of these other quarterbacks are being compensated, but right. 30 million is such a weird, but like, like I mentioned, it's that constant feeling of the grass might be greener on the other side. In reality, it probably isn't. But if you're the Vikings and you have these young receivers, you have Justin Jefferson, and you're looking at these young quarterbacks in 2024, it's hard not to be like, well, what could we build for the next decade? But you might be trying to build something for the next decade while your window is open right now in this poor division. It's just such a weird spot on like, how much do we go in all all in right now? And how much do we kind of try and build forward and, and get yeah. past this current iteration that we've built around? Yeah. I butchered that, but I hope that the people listening understand what I was saying. You know what's funny? No, is I mean, it feels like all these Nick Vay disciples are in the same exact spot. Mm-hmm. A bit of limbo of like, shit, we better figure out Jordan Love because if not, it's time to move on or... I'm trying to figure out, you know, Kirk Cousins, or I might move on to Jaron Hall and McVay himself's in that situation. Stefanski, it's a bit of a sticky situation with Deshaun, even though you should have your guy in Deshaun, you know. Um, so, anyways, just something that came to mind. Go ahead, Jake. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. It's just, it's like what Justin said, it's tough because you look at this roster, I really don't see any holes on this. I feel like you have a solid team top to bottom, and it's just the same question with them going back to the East Keenum year, man. It's is the quarterback good enough to really push you over the top? I mean, they're probably going to win double digit games. They're probably going to win this division, but how serious are you taken in January when the games matter um, that much more? And we just haven't seen Kirk really deliver in those areas. I wouldn't rule out a run for this team, but yeah, it's really kind of that you're kind of just forced into going in on him at this point. You're not going to be in position to get Drake may or Caleb Williams. You're not going to. They're too good. Absolutely. And as we said, in the NFC, you could do a lot worse than Kirk Cousins at this point. Especially now. Especially. And I've been a pretty big Kirk Cousins defender these past couple years, but it's, yeah, it's just an interesting spot. Uh, Justin Jefferson, Jenga piece, is that even arguable? He's more of a Jenga piece than Kirk Cousins is. You know, usually yeah. the Jenga piece <laughs> yes. is exclude the quarterback. We could do it in reverse. Exclude Justin Jefferson, who's the Jenga piece. Um, yeah, I mean, he is the straw that stirs the drink. And I think not so much of a coincidence that they're 
big, like finally they kind of achieved their potential last year's season came as he absolutely ascended to be like the, the league's elite dude last year at that position. He's wide receiver one for you guys in the NFL right now. I it's between so, him and Jamar chase for me. It's so hard to pick between them. LSU teammates. Go Tigers. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think he has the I think he has the crown right now. We forget what Cooper Cup was just a mere season yeah. prior. Um uh Cooper's uh facing a tough situation there at the Rams too, so you never know. So yeah, I'd give I'd give it to Jefferson and um you know those boys in Miami, uh those boys in Philly, and certainly Jamar Chase all in the mix. Yeah, I would say Miami Philly, they might have better duos since the, oh. but Minnesota, I, Je, Justin Jefferson, if you're just throwing it up, that's not a 50 50 ball. Um, yeah, that's all I've got on the bikes. You guys want to say anything else before we get out of here? That's it. I just found the tight ends interesting from Lions and Packers. Packers did this a few years ago with Josiah DeGura, um, and it didn't quite work out. And now they're doubling up. And, you know, I mean, I think this class was emblematic. And next year's class, we're going to have one of the greatest tight end prospects of all time of what we've said for a few years, where it feels like tight end positions coming around. And that's the ultimate kind of counter to all these sub package defenses. It hasn't translated to the NFL necessarily. Now, obviously, tight ends factor into all that. But, you know, tight ends and these really talented Dual threat tight ends really countering that hasn't fully come to fruition. I'll be interested to see the Sam Laporta's, the Musgraves, and uh, Tucker Crafts, and what kind of impact those guys make on the league going forward. Especially it early is. on, because that's a position where it kind of takes a while to find your footing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of unconventional to really like build your offense around a tight end, and it's hard to do. I mean, we saw the Ravens. We felt like. I at least felt like they were kind of the perfect team to try that with how much they wanted to run the ball with the, you know, Lamar Jackson option aspect of their offense. And, you know, Mark Andrews is of course, I mean, maybe outside of Travis Kelsey, the best tight end in the league, but it's just so hard to get two like that. I mean, you really have to go back to the Boston TE party with um, Gronk and Hernandez. That's the last time we really saw two tight end offenses or a two tight end offense really be dominant. Yeah. Here, here. It's true. It's true. And if someone can get that right, it's a game changer, man. It is yeah. a real schematic game changer for sure. So that's kind of my closing note there, Justin. Word. Well, it's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a fun summer. We'll wrap up here with this draft stuff in the coming weeks, and then we'll start getting into the the upcoming season. We've now got spreads, I think, for the first two, maybe even three weeks. So it's it's going to be that time. I know I'm starting to itch for college football less than 100 days. Uh, make sure you're following mm-hmm. all of our content over at DMVR Rams, DMVR Buffs, DMVR Broncos, and of course, DMVR Nuggets. Uh, we will have you up to date with all things in the Mile High City. Much love, y'all. Thank you for continuing to support this show. Peace. Sold out crowd. 
damn, that shit is crazy. Probably never make it. Were you listening to that right now? I said we on now.